We are talking Warren Robertson, Deuce Robinson, and more on today's episode of Locked on Longhorns. You are Locked on Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Your favorite college football recruiting analyst, John Garcia Jr., joining the show once again. Warren Robertson, the latest player to commit to the Texas Longhorns 2023 class. And John, I know you love your DBs. Before we talk about Warren Robertson, I believe one of the main reasons that he decommitted from TCU and committed to the 40 acres is that the TCU Horn Frogs took five safeties in one class. In your experience, is that normal? Like, is that something that schools do take five safeties in one class? I that's appreciate them for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. a lot. Obviously look, there's, there's a business element to making these decisions. And naturally if, if you are put in that safety box and look, he belongs there, a big physical uh, player, two way guy, um, but look, he's going to be a safety. I think that's pretty clear at this point. So, yeah, I do think when the road is is that crowded, let's say, it, it does make it a little bit harder. And I, I also think, look, Texas made a really nice play here later in the game for him. They got the last official visit. Arch Manning was on the case. I mean, this was one of those that became an expectation, you know, and when a flip becomes an expectation, it means there's a lot of things at play. And, and oftentimes there's a little bit of push on, on both sides of that coin. So I think bringing in so many guys at the position certainly could have contributed. And look, it's Texas, man. You know, I know we didn't beat TCU. I know we didn't make it to the national championship game, but if we did, we wouldn't have lost by 50, right? So <laughs> look, John, all right, let's talk about Warren Robertson committed to the 40 acres, chose Texas over TCU and Lincoln Riley in USC. What do you like about the red Oak product at the safety position? I like his floor, JD. This is a kid who physically instinctually technically is is kind of there now uh, we talk so much about what these kids will develop into and how much room they have to improve but there's something to be said for the floor of, of a kid who's physically there six to over 200 pounds i mean look look on his twitter i mean this is a kid who looks like a grown man already uh so i think all of those departments those boxes are checked and then you go check the tape and this is a guy on friday nights who lines up everywhere corner safety receiver running back plays special teams uh key roles on special teams not just you know in the return game or the coverage units but he's on the hands team i mean this is a guy who has built trust in his own high school program and i i do put a lot of cachet in that those players are just closer to contributing on saturdays mentally and again, physically, he's already there. Um, probably not elite at any one thing, but he's got B plus, A minus across the board, whether it's ball skills, physicality, tracking the football, closing speed, uh, the ability to win at, at the point of contact. I, I think Warren's got a lot of those boxes checked, and, and he's one that when he can now focus on one position because he played a lot of offense in high school. I do think that can help him get over the hump in, in certain categories, like refining his back pedal and becoming a little bit more technically savvy as a secondary only player. But again, the instincts, the overall football IQ are all there. 
just like the physicality and the frame is there from a college standpoint. So I like the floor here. I think he's one um, that is going to see the field sooner rather than later and, and comes to Texas as a near finished product, as opposed to one that has to change so many things to assimilate to the collegiate game. So I think this is a nice way for, for Texas to round out the secondary. It's always sweet when you flip an in-state recruit for, from a rival in, in the conference who's theoretically on top at this point. Um, but I think it hits it hits even more when you think that he's going to see the field sooner so you don't have to wait to see how the development goes uh, in between. Yeah, and that safety room at Texas is quietly uh, becoming a very deep room with a lot of talent. Let's talk Deuce Robinson, the number one tight end in the country. I'm not sure if he's the highest rated unsigned or uncommitted player at this point, Gotta but he's be. definitely up there, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it seems, you know, a really modern tight end, everything I've seen from him, he looks like a future superstar, right? And he's likely choosing between Texas, USC, and Georgia at this point. But I want to ask you, because they all provide interesting things for Deuce Robinson at the next level, right? So if you were somebody advising Deuce Robinson, would you suggest would you suggest USC, who probably has the best offensive mind of the three schools in Lincoln Riley? We know that Deuce Robinson is a two-sport athlete. He wants to play baseball. I believe Texas provides the best opportunity to compete at a high level in football and baseball. Or would you suggest Georgia, who's probably using the tight end position, his primary position in sport, better than anybody else in college football right now? So if you're somebody advising Deuce Robinson, would you choose USC for the offensive mind in Lincoln Riley, the two-way ability in baseball and football at Texas, or go be a dominant tight end where they're showcasing their tight ends in a dominant fashion at the University of Georgia? Yeah, he's he's got a heck of a, a trio to choose from because you could make arguments for – all three of those schools, right? Even geographically, he's uh, right next to Texas. He's got uh, ties to the West Coast. And, you know, he, he came up in Florida where his dad played at, at Florida State. So you could really make a lot of different arguments for, for Deuce. Personally, I would tell him crush these spring showcases in baseball and go play baseball and be done with it. But from a college standpoint, look, I, I think you can make an argument for all three of these programs. The, the interesting thing about Texas and USC relative to Georgia is that they're selling deuce on, Hey, be the reason why we use the tight end more, be the reason why we're going to implement the tight end more, as opposed to where at Georgia, it's more of a, Hey, we've been doing this come be the next guy. And depending on the kid, you could sell one of those easier than the other. You know, there's a lot of elite recruits that, view something like that as a challenge. Hey, let me go be the reason why Caleb Williams starts throwing to a true freshman, or let me go follow the pipeline and be the next first rounder. That's, that's, you know, viewed as a bit of a layup because it's been so successful at this certain school. So it just depends on the type of football recruit Deuce wants to be, but that's the thing, man. Baseball is going to play such a factor here. I mean, there's really no other way, to, to point that out. I mean, it's the reason why he didn't sign on national signing day. And it's the reason why there's no real end date in sight. Like I said, there's some spring showcases that he's got to hit. Um, and, and who knows what that does to his draft stock. And I think the conversation around his stock has, has stalled his college recruitment uh, overall, much less which sport or which school. So it'll be fascinating uh, as multi-layered a recruitment as we've seen uh, period. But again, if I was advising him, I'd say, hey, look, college football is great, but go ahead and sign that that major league contract. But look, Deuce, Deuce is saying he wants to go to college 
And I think from that standpoint, Texas would be kind of a happy medium. Um, You're going to have the spotlight. You're going to have the buzz there. You've got an opportunity as a true freshman to make an impact. Don't know if that exists at UGA with Brock Bowers coming back. I mean, he'll be the best returning tight end in college football, I think unanimously at at this point. And USC hasn't really shown it. You know, so I I think it it depends on on what that – internal desire is for for deuce um usc had the early buzz georgia had the late buzz texas has kind of hung around in this recruitment so again you could start to sell that thing one of of three ways and oregon's trying to get a visit you know so that that thing depending on the timeline can go a number of directions and you could sort of see uh, why he's in a great position at this point to make this final call yeah, whatever happens with Deuce Robinson, let's not uh, forget to mention JT Sanders at Texas. All right, he's no slouch, definitely at the tight end sure. position for sure. All right, so we're going to talk B. John Robinson and Cedric Baxter next scheme fits and running styles. Going to be a very interesting conversation with John Garcia. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We are really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, That's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today. At FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. So, John, speaking of the NFL, B. John Robinson is uh, currently getting ready for the draft. Well, he'll be selected number 26 by the Dallas Cowboys. And um, fingers crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> and there's been a lot of conversation about, obviously, at this point, you would say B. John Robinson is the more talented player than Cedric Baxter. B. John Robinson probably does more things well than Cedric Baxter. But Cedric Baxter being a big, physical, decisive, one-cut runner, a lot of people have said he may be a better scheme fit for Steve Sarkeesian and Kyle Flood's offense, right, that inside zone power run. He might be a better fit for this offense moving forward than B. John Robinson was. And that sounds crazy. <laughs> But you can make the argument that it's true, right? Yeah. So for somebody that's covered, you know, for somebody that's covered both and seen both a, a hell of a lot, right? What do you think about that? Do you think there's a possibility that Cedric Baxter might be a better fit for this offense a la Najee Harris than B. John Robinson was? Well, look, I mean, Najee's kind of the comp that we've rolled with for said for, for quite some time here. Uh, so I, I do see where that argument stems from. But look, there's... <laughs> <laughs> there's a big difference between proven and unproven and, and said on top of um, the unknown from a transitional standpoint, high school to college, look, Bijan Robinson, this is a historical grade. This isn't just a recent grade or the best back coming out this year, whatever we're labeling him in the short term. I think if you zoom out, this is one of the greatest players in Texas history. So whenever you're in that ballpark at that position, given, you know, Ricky Williams and Cedric, you know, said Benson and all these guys, Jamal Charles, that's a really big deal. So I'm, I'm a little early in, in making that proclamation. Now that said, speaking of said, no pun intended, that said, I do think there's more of a room to grow for Baxter. It's the opposite of what we said about Warren Robinson earlier, Robertson earlier. 
Cedric Baxter's new to the running back position. He will be new to this type of scheme once he gets to Texas. You know, where he is most comfortable today is probably the third down package that Steve Sarkeesian will roll out. Even though at 6'1", 6'2", 215, he might not look like he's most comfortable there. So the ability to improve uh, is certainly going to be there. And there's more room for him to grow as opposed to Bijan. The moment he got to Texas, everybody was like, hey, this is the guy. Get him the ball. I mean, get him the ball more was really the only critique that folks were yeah. giving. I was about to say everybody but Tom Herman, right? <laughs> well, yeah, well, that's that's a story for another day. But with with Cedric Baxter, there's more improvement as a running back um, to be made. And I think comparing him even to Najee Harris, who was that bell cow for four years in high school before he got to Bama, not the same deal for Baxter. So it's those intricacies that I, I do still think said has to improve upon. That was really the only knock uh, before we named him the number one back back in the summer. Everything else was roses for him. Everything else was this is kind of the unanimous top back in the country. The only potential downside was the lack of experience, right? So whether it's making jump cuts, playing a little bit more patient, some of that instinctive stuff that Bijan was so darn good at, those are the elements where I think you'll see the biggest difference between the two. But that only exists now. You need to gain experience before some of that stuff comes along. So I do think down the line, you could make that argument that Baxter's a better fit because of his more decisive style. But in the short term, Bijan's vision, instincts, patience, and overall game are going to outweigh that of Baxter. And that is no knock to, to Cedric at all. I think he is, again, clearly the number one back in the country coming out. And he's going into a situation where he could be the number one back at Texas right out of the gate. So I do think it'll be interesting to compare and contrast these two going forward, but it's a little premature to say Baxter is for sure a better fit because he's only got two years of running back experience behind him. So it's hard to measure that up schematically regardless of, of the physical fit. Yeah. Once again, no knock on Cedric Baxter is just all praise for future Cowboy running back B. John Robinson, (laughs) John cook, somebody you covered and is explosive on the field and has an explosive personality Throughout winter workouts, it's been said that he's expected to have a big role this year in a crowded wide receiver room. I mean, you're talking about A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, Isaiah Nayor theoretically would be ahead of him on the depth chart right now. Does it surprise you at all that Jonte Cook is expected to have a big role this year in his true freshman season at the 40 Acres? Not at all. I mean, when, when when you've got kind of an alpha competitive edge to you, it almost doesn't matter who who else is there. And that doesn't mean he's going to be a wide receiver one and catch a hundred balls, but that's the kind of player that, that Jonte has been presented as, and he's only lived up to it more and more as, as time has gone on. Um, I mean, the focal point of DeSoto's offense um, and, and they rode him to a state title basically. So this, this is a guy who is, is commanding attention with his personality, but more than backing it up with with his play, uh, which has created that level of confidence that's really hard to shake, especially at that position, right? You're going to drop a ball. You're maybe going to fumble, run the wrong route, create an interception. There's so many avenues to where you could kind of go in the tank, and and we see it across the sport, even at the highest of levels. But with a kid like Jonte Cook, you just don't expect it. So when you – Factor that into the physical skill set that is is tailor-made for a, a spread, use the passing game as an extension of the running game kind of defense or kind of offense like Texas is going to utilize, it makes even more sense. You don't have to get sophisticated with the route tree, even though 
this is a top five route runner. If you if you get to that point, you can you can tell him, hey, line up here, turn around, we're gonna throw it to you. Uh, and he's fine with that. You know, there's there's more. He plays bigger than he is. There's more physicality than his frame suggests. And I'm not sure uh, beyond Xavier Worthy's linear speed. I'm not sure anybody on that roster is currently better equipped for that style of of extension of of the running game uh, in the bubble screen, the quick screen, the tunnel screen game. You could argue that Jonte Cook is best suited for that right now compared to anybody on that roster. So, yeah, I, I think it's it's very apparent uh, that his first impression will continue to grow and, and we should expect him on the field because he he fits in the margins as opposed to where we can kind of line up the other four receivers and say, yeah, this is where he fits. This is where he fits. Cook can blur those lines and, and fill multiple spots uh, among these top four or five receivers. And I don't know, maybe beyond worthy if any of the others can do that. Yeah, speaking of expectations, we've now seen uh, the 2023 Big 12 schedules, even though Texas and Oklahoma won't acknowledge it for whatever reason. Uh, But (laughs) we've seen the Texas schedule for 2023. A lot of people have said this is the year, right? Last year was the year before the year. It's year three for Steve Sarkeesian. He's got his players in. The staff has settled in. We've seen the development. They're recruiting at an elite level. Now that you've seen the schedule, which, in my opinion, no disrespect, it's kind of cake, very favorable for the Longhorns. What are your expectations Texas this season yeah favorable in that you don't leave the state of Texas more than once until mid-November so yeah very favorable even just for the players in in their headspace uh this is something that's lining up very well um the Bama game's still gonna be the indicator right for us uh last year we saw such a valiant effort my gosh I mean everything about that game screamed Texas is so close. And I think we we saw more glimpses of that after that that game um, went in the books uh, in September. Now this year, it's the same kind of deal. That will be the measuring stick, and, and we will infer so much from that game. No disrespect uh, to, to the Rice Owls, of course, coming to DKR. Uh, JT Daniels. <laughs> yeah, and JT <laughs> Daniels coming in uh, but before that trip to Tuscaloosa. But it's the same deal. And, and I think you could argue they're – in a better position to handle Alabama this year, right? That young offensive line is a little bit older. You've, you've portaled and recruited your way to a more balanced uh, offensive and defensive roster. Um, and now we know more of, about the competition that's going to go down at some of these important positions with spring ball still ahead. And conversely, Bama's going to be replacing one, one of the best quarterbacks to, to ever don that uniform in, in Bryce Young. And we know how much he compensated for on that roster that last year, let's be honest, didn't feel like a traditional Bama roster on offense. So I think all of those things are are going to help Texas potentially close that gap. So that Bama game is going to be the measuring stick. And and if it comes up well for UT, you could expect a a whole lot of W's to to fall in thereafter. And even if it doesn't work out uh, in Tuscaloosa, I think 10 wins is – it's kind of the number that I'm looking at. I think it would be a disappointment if it was a single-digit win season for Texas here going forward. And, and like you said, there's the perfect storm for this to brew up for Texas, right? There's pressure on Steve Sarkeesian. There's a maybe a quarterback battle, probably not, but there's going to be pressure on Quinn Ewers while all this skill position talent returns and the weaknesses of the roster – maybe offensive line and edge are somewhat addressed in between. 
So this has to be the year. It's not, hey, it's the year before the year. This has to be the year or folks are going to start asking a lot of questions about this Steve Sarkeesian regime. So I think that is trending up for Texas because pressure is a good thing. Everybody's it shouldn't be a scary situation. You should want that as a player, as a coach, as a program, because it creates that spotlight. Um, and obviously that game is a spotlight in and of itself. So naturally all eyeballs on Texas at Bama, and then things will fall in place thereafter. But I'm still looking at 10 wins and challenging for the Big 12 crown once again. Yeah, so just for a little bit of clarification, I was saying that fans were saying 2022 was the year before the year, even though I think this season they could have made it to the Big 12 championship and won it. But that's neither here nor there. I think it's Big 12 championship or bust this year. I'm going to get you out on this. Nothing to do with Texas football at all. Nothing to do with college at all. LeBron James (laughs) is – 36 points away from becoming the all-time leading scorer in NBA history, passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He plays, well, not in the Staples Center, in the crypt tonight against the Oklahoma City Thunder. He needs 36 points to become the all-time leading scorer. By the time my listeners hear this tomorrow, will LeBron be the all-time leading scorer in NBA history? Yes, he's going for 40 against OKC. Um, They'll get to the line if the shot's not falling, but I got the feeling it's going to fall anyway. So 40-point game on deck uh, for, for King James. And and look, just another milestone. We, we, we just saw Tom Brady walk away, and I think we take advantage of of seeing that greatness. Uh, so let's appreciate it with, with LeBron while it's still going on. Doesn't mean I'm going to pick him for a different debate, but for tonight, give, give me LeBron 40 points, breaking the record, and, and, and give the man some flowers while we're at it. Yeah, I think he'll break it too, but he does have the crutch of playing another home game on Thursday. So if he doesn't get it tonight, he'll say, well, I'll just get it on Thursday. But hopefully he gets it tonight against the Thunder. I agree. I think he goes for 37 plus and breaks one of the hardest records to break all time yeah, in the history of sports. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Longhorn slash Locked On Los Angeles Lakers, <laughs> part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hook them. Peace.